When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey friends, this is Matthias Roberts and you're listening to Queerology, a podcast on belief and being. This is episode 21. I, I think same-sex couples are bringing life back to marriage. In some ways, I think we're bringing God back to marriage. David and Constantino Califf started their blog Modern Kinship a few years ago as a way to try to encourage Christian same-sex couples who feel called to marriage. Dave and Tino got married about a year and a half ago and have been blogging through their journey as a gay married couple and everything that they've been learning about themselves and marriage in the process. Tino is the director of operations at the Gay Christian Network and David is a fiction writer uh, who specializes in adventure and fantasy fiction. They live in Portland where they spend most of their time drinking coffee, attempting to eat healthy, and occasionally sipping whiskey. Uh, I love Dave and Tino, and I, I, I mean, I, I say this about literally every guest on this show, but because <laughs> it's true. And it was so much fun to sit down with them and talk about marriage and talk about what they've learned about themselves and about God through their marriage. Uh, and I think... I. I mean, I got a lot out of this conversation, and I think y'all will too. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive in. Dave and Tino, hi. Hey, Matthias. How's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Good. Yeah. Thanks Good. for having us. Yeah. Thank you for joining me. Uh, so to start, a uh, question for both of you. Uh, how do you guys each identify? Uh, and then how would you say that your faith has helped form that identity? Uh, so I'm Tino. Uh, I identify as a gay cisgender uh, man um, and as a Christian mm-hmm. and my you know I I came to Christ later in life I was already in my 30s um, so I don't know how much my faith informed my gender and identity and sexual orientation mm-hmm. but um, it has become an integral part of my life and I think my desire to just follow the way of Jesus has, I don't know, I, I, I'd like to think informs how I, how I act and how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Uh, this is David. I also identify as a gay cisgender male. And yeah, I was thinking about this. I feel like my, uh, sexual identity has really informed my faith 
more than the other way around. Mm. Um, I think a large part of that is because I was on the reparative therapy track mm-hmm. for a number of years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so uh, I was did that on and off for about six years. And when I started that, I really began just a search for truth because mm-hmm. I asked myself, like, why am I doing this therapy? Who am I doing it for? Um, if I'm trying to change, why am I ultimately trying to change? Mm-hmm. And that sent me on a search for truth. And although I come from a Christian background, um, that kind of raw, authentic, vulnerable search for truth is what really led me to relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so it was really my sexual identity and trying to, at first, like push away my sexual identity um, and kind of wrestle with God in that. And then ultimately embrace my sexual identity, um, which has then transformed the way I see God and the nature of his love. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's really been um, me being a a gay man has really been the catalyst for um, transforming my faith. Mm. So so like follow up question for for Tino, like you, you mentioned you came to Christ later in life. Had you come out before your quote unquote conversion? Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I've lived most of my adult life in New York City. Mm. So, you know, I was out. Uh, I came out when I was 20. Okay. Um, so I had been out for well over a decade. Um, and yeah, to me, uh, my conversion uh, was, I mean, it wasn't, there was nothing exciting about it. You know, I wasn't, I didn't almost die. Yeah. And suddenly like, um, the only way I can describe it is um, a slow, just awakening to the whispers of the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, she leading me to the gospels and reading about Christ and falling in love with him mm-hmm. and um, learning about the father. And that, Trinitarian just sort of power suddenly dawning on me and I remember uh, the moment when I uh, I was at a church and they were saying the Apostles Creed and I was saying it reading along and I realized oh shoot I believe all of this mm. and it was this moment of like yay but also oh crap what does this <laughs> I'm a Christian like yeah yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Having been an agnostic or atheist, atheist my whole life, I, my opinions of Christians weren't very generous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, okay, um, now what? But you mm. know, I, um, I at that moment, you know, around that time, I felt there were many things about the way I was living my life that I, to use the lingo, felt convicted uh, mm. to change. Um, you know, things I. You know, like every young person did things that I'm not proud of. and mm-hmm. um, But the one thing I was never convicted of was my sexual orientation. I I very clearly heard God saying, on that we're good. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> we're cool. We're cool, we're bro. Cool, we're cool, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, that's so interesting. I'm thinking about, um, I, this just came to mind, I took a class on prayer with a guy who, is much more 
charismatic than than the tradition that I grew up in. And and I asked him at the end of that class because he does like healing prayer across the world for people. And I asked him, what do you think about LGBT people? Um, and he said, I have prayed for thousands of LGBT people and I have never once had the impression that they need to change their sexuality. Oh. And I kind of, I love that. Like, because it's such a different approach than a lot of people (laughs) yeah i felt you know i um i think i realized well that's i think it's the fact that i wasn't no one preached at me Mm. to become a christian right like i didn't become a christian because someone approached me and someone handed you one of those little uh comics yeah i never i actually (laughs) didn't know those things existed until Mm. i like started meeting other christians Mm. so you know my awakening to God, like I said, was all came from, it, it felt very direct from God. Mm. So I think because I didn't have humans um, <laughs> muddying the waters mm-hmm. there, I think that's... There was no middleman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Whereas David, it sounds like for you, it's a little bit of a different story. Yeah. I had kind of all all middlemen <laughs> <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in a Christian tradition and, um, you know, when I came out at 19, um, I was super brave and just wrote my parents a letter and mm-hmm. mailed it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they called me, I was, you know, my freshman year of college and they called me and they're like, why don't you just come home and we'll have a little we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I drove home and um, I, this is still like one of the like memories burned in my mind. I drove this um, crappy little bright red Dodge Neon and I drove up into my parents' driveway and I was just sat there for like half an hour. I could not get myself to get out of the car. Mm-hmm. I was just like petrified because I knew like once I walked through that door and had that talk, everything was going to change. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> And so I went in and, uh, my whole family just, we all just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very, uh, healing in a way. Um, you know, my parents are wonderful and they said, we love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that was just wonderful. That was just, you know, they chose to come from a pit place of love, even though they didn't understand or know really, you know, how to approach things. Um, and, they their way to help because they didn't really know what how else to help um was to find this reparative therapist and the best the best oh i got the best (laughs) i got the steve jobs of therapists (laughs) (laughs) joseph nicolosi who recently passed away earlier this year yeah and uh so anyway and and i thought i needed therapy too so it wasn't just Mm -hmm. that and um so this therapy was not directly faith-based but it definitely had a a faith um kind of foundation and every most everyone in it came from a a christian tradition or some from some from a jewish tradition also but Mm -hmm. almost all from a faith tradition and um so i went to that for a number of years and then was in men's healing groups for a number of years and healing groups from various churches in orange county where I, i was living at the time and um yeah, so there was just a lot of kind of 
interference with my faith, um, particularly around the issue of sexual identity Mm -hmm. and a lot of people telling me what was right, what I needed to do. And there was not really any space for exploration or questioning. Mm. It was just all about conforming to what was right. And that was a really painful place to be, not only for me, but for all of the men in these healing groups. I mean, they were, um, some of the, and I, I love them and am wonderful friends with, with many of them still, but at the time, I saw them as some of the most miserable people I knew because they were trying so hard to conform to something and they were just white knuckling it. And I, I was too. And I remember one of my friends saying, you know, God can't ask anything else of me. I have nothing else to give. I'm just trying as hard as I can to obey. Hmm. And for me, that was one of my real aha moments. Hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I just had this realization that this is not life-giving. Hmm. What we're doing is not bearing fruit. It's not only, not only is it not bringing us closer to God, but it is sucking any energy that we might have to then turn outward and give to other people. Um, we were all just so inwardly focused, just mm. trying to obey. And for me, that was the real turning point where I said, you know what, this clearly something about this is not right. And mm. something about this is not working. And that's really what started me on my path away from therapy and really trying to get to the heart of God without that middleman. Mm. Mm. I was thinking we're at your parents' house right now visiting. We should have done the podcast from the driveway. (laughs) I can see it from here. (laughs) Or we could just get my parents and have a... (laughs) For some real awkward interviews. There we go. (laughs) That'd be fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about that brings to mind. I'm thinking of uh, there's a theologian named Catherine Tanner who defines sin. Her definition of sin is a turning inwards, a turning inwards on yourself. Um, Whereas life giving uh, is a filling up and then flowing out and giving back to community. Mm. Um, and that sounds so much like what you're kind of saying, because I think when we, when we focus on changing our sexuality, it is this turning inwards. It almost becomes idolized in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great point because it, you know, I see sin as so much more than just, um, an addiction or, um, a a habit or, you know, being a gossip or a liar, Mm -hmm. um, it's not the act so much as the kind of self-serving nature of it Mm -hmm. and that inward focus that I think is the root. So that what you just said makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you guys just celebrated your one year anniversary, right? We did. Yeah. yeah, in May. In so May. We're, so at, it's been we're at about we're, a year and a half. Yeah, we're at 1.5. A year and a half. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, 
we tell people that they're like, or like our married friends, and they're like, yeah, well, <laughs> only when you get to five, <laughs> twenty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome though. Like, I mean, I I've been following your guys's blog for since before you were married, and I mean, watching your story unfold has been just delightful. I I think I'm I'm curious about like you guys you guys write a lot about marriage. Um, now that you're a year and a half in, what have you learned that maybe you didn't know, say, a year and a half ago? Um, I think uh, one thing I've learned is <laughs> it's a lot more work and it requires a lot more personal growth than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a relationship, in a long-term relationship uh, before I met David, before I became a Christian. Um I had a partner for nine years Mm. um, and we lived together seven years. And so I, in some ways, I think I was approaching this as well, kind of, you know, being there, done that. Mm. Um, The most surprising thing to me has been, I think there's something about the nature of a covenant, which is what my ex and I never had, Mm. right? We, I mean, it wasn't an option for us even back then. Um, but um, making a covenant, not just with someone, but what I see as a covenant with God, right? This kind of like three-part covenant um, where I made promises to David and then I actually also made a promise to God mm. to take care of David. Mm. Um, something about that has just sort of, it has changed me and it has sealed this as a part of my identity this notion of being a part of this union and that requires growth because when i get mad at david or or frustrated and i (laughs) uh and i've always been someone who walks away like it's very easy for me to abandon people but just (laughs) knowing no i can't walk now um i need to face this and what what is it in me that is causing me to react this way. It just, it requires a lot of growth and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know how to put it. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd agree mostly with what Tino said. Um, I am grateful that we've gotten married at a little bit of an older age only because we, uh, there are obvious disadvantages to it, but one of the advantages is that we, have both had time to work through a lot of issues and a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there we're not necessarily bringing less baggage, but we've at least opened up the suitcases and gone through them a number of times already. Yeah. Uh, so we, we know what's in them. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> um, I think early on, just especially since I hadn't dated a ton and there was a lot of just emotional growth I had to go through from reparative therapy scars that it was kind of rocky road first starting the dating process and then we really worked through a lot of stuff and it was pretty wonderful mm-hmm. but even then like that i don't know our the baggage we have throughout life never really goes away right and i think that's something i've learned is that um you know early on we'd hit upon stuff and talk through it i'm like oh good we resolved that awesome <laughs> um, but no 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 then it just like comes up again someone's insecurity about something or someone's my you know we're at my parents house and I fall into a habit of kind of like disconnecting and closing off Mm -hmm. and 
um, you know, Tino can sense that. And then he feels a little bit pushed out. And um, these these issues don't go away. They keep coming up. And so that was a real realization for me that, you know, a year after marriage, um, we would have some kind of argument. And like, oh, this again? Like, we're doing we're doing this again. Yeah. And like, I thought we, we worked through this. And then I'm like, Oh no, I guess this is just like, this is life. It's kind of working through our issues over and over again. And hopefully we get better at it so that we get, they're shorter. And then, <laughs> I mean, and there's some, I think, and I think this is also something I never, I guess something I've learned is that there are such a thing as perpetual problems. Mm. There's problems that we're always going to have in our relationship. Yeah, we're just <laughs> and so except how do we okay, this is always going to be an issue mm -hmm. forever and for the rest of our lives. And we're always going to get mad about this. Mm -hmm. So like, how, how do we how do we just live with this and love each other and continue to be committed to each other, being fully aware that this is just something we're not going to fix? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. You know. And that's and that's I guess that's okay too. Yeah. Like knowing that there will always be some conflicts that can't be resolved in a relationship, mm. and that being okay, mm. knowing that not all conflicts necessarily have to be resolved. Um, you just have to find ways to work through them and get past them. And yeah, and live with and live with them. live with them. Really, yeah. and that I feel like that's even in other aspects of life. It started teaching me things like, yeah, you know, there's some shitty things you just have to live with yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah because yeah. yeah, i think it's i mean f for me as someone who uh, i find myself often idealizing marriage like as being this this pinnacle of arriving in a way like that's good and hard to hear like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you'll never you'll never arrive anywhere because there's always going to be you know something <laughs> else totally. that comes next yeah yeah it, it, it makes sense it's like i feel like anytime you kind of get to one of those points it's like that you like set out as an arrival point and then you get there and realize oh wait a second like i'm still me i still have yeah. all this stuff going on like it's just it's just life like yeah mm, yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah and with marriage it's like yeah i'm still me and i'm still I, there's still all these things about me that I don't like, and now I'm dealing with this other person who yeah. has all these shitty things about them that I don't like. But yeah, we love each other. <laughs> what was that quote? Marriage has your. Uh, 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 I can't. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> it doubles your problems. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's still cool. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's like we both. It brings now we have to deal with two people's problems, mm -hmm. um, but there's also double the benefit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I'd I'd be curious, like I, as we kind of touched on, like you guys do write a lot about your marriage, and and it's so neat to see what I would call quote unquote a healthy gay couple. Um, gay marriage writing about what you guys are learning and and publishing it so we can all learn from it um but I, I have a quote here that you guys wrote a little while ago about gay marriage and the church uh and it's a little bit lengthy but it's so good so i'll read it um you guys write herein lies a major problem with the conservative church's rejection of gay couples it's not only an abstract theological position, it has significant consequences for the health of gay relationships. 
when churches would hold services to gay couples, including workshops on healthy dating, premarital counseling, and classes for new parents, they create real and lasting damage in these relationships. Church leaders will claim that their failure to offer support services is simply an extension of their beliefs on homosexuality, but the effect is far more nefarious. By withholding relationship services to gay couples, churches tacitly communicate one message. We want you to fail. That is, like, so good. I'd be interested, as you guys have kind of started to navigate this being a gay married couple within the Christian world and and working within church spaces, what have you noticed about those spaces that need some work? I mean, that quote kind of sums it up, but I'd be curious if you guys could talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a, there's something that changed. So when we started dating, um, we, we were both going to a, I guess, welcoming, but non-affirming church mm. is how you would describe it. Um, yeah, like, yeah, it was kind of a hip. It had a hip veneer, but was actually pretty conservative underneath. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, skinny jeans yeah. and lots of lots of you know, gay people went to that <clears throat> church. Actually, we had yeah. a lot of friends who who went there, mm. uh, but um, but it wasn't affirming. So Dave actually was a, a small group leader, and he had been a deacon at that church, and he had signed a document uh, saying that he would not. What was it? I would not engage in homosexual activity. Yeah. I wasn't sure what that meant mm. precisely. <laughs> I couldn't listen to Madonna. Yeah, I couldn't listen to Madonna. Right. I, couldn't, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't watch the new Will and Grace. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we started dating, he actually, you know, to be in integrity, he met with the elders and told them. And we also, you know, um, had chosen for ourselves to wait uh, until we were married to have sex mm-hmm. and, and I think he mentioned that and I think because of that they were okay they allowed him to keep you know uh, leading a small group but there was always this question that I at least had well okay what if we get married you know we're gonna be having sex then mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then are you not gonna be allowed to be in leadership so to me it felt like they didn't they were almost saying like i don't know uh it's fine that you can say you're dating but they didn't want our relationship to go anywhere they wanted our relationship to eventually fail fail i mean Mm -hmm. to not end in marriage and yeah there was the their stance led left no future for our relationship yeah whilst kind of while staying in the church and really participating in the way that we hope to continue doing so so even at that stage in dating it felt like what's the what's the point like why are we because you know why are we going through this process of getting to know each other and date if it's not to get married like Mm -hmm. yeah what's the whole point of this Mm -hmm. so suffice it to say um just because you aren't a church isn't in explicit opposition to same-sex marriage doesn't mean that it isn't still doing harm like this church was trying to as hard as it could to just not talk about homosexuality and other LGBTQ issues. Mm -hmm. And they thought their approach, I think is just like, if we skirt the issue, 
it just won't be an issue. Right. But the truth is that, no, it, it is actually doing real harm because the church offers these services like premarital counseling and um, other things for couples to really support and help the help couples do life in community, which we have discovered is so important for mm-hmm. marriage. And if you just leave a couple in isolation um, and you're saying, oh, we're not harming you in any way. Um, no, actually, that isolation is its own form of harm. Yeah, that's I mean, I'm thinking like psychologically, like isolation is a form of trauma and repeated isolation will ruin people's lives. Um, it, it makes sense within the context of a relationship, too. Of course, that would happen. Like, yeah, and you know, in a relationship, if you like if you have problems, which, you know, we've done, any, every couple is, is going to have problems and issues, that's when you need your friends to help you actually work through that and, you know, get through that. But if you're, you know, if you're in your relationship, hit a bump in the road, and then you go to someone and says, oh, well, see, that's just proof that you should break up, mm. basically. That's just proof of the inherent sin of your yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. Then it is going to destroy the relationship. It is going to destroy the marriage, the partnership, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no one, no straight couple, when they get divorced, does anyone say, well, that's just was proof of the inherent sin of your relationship. Yeah. Like yeah. no couple, you know, if a couple goes to their pastor or their friends from church and say like, you know, we're having issues in our marriage and, you know, we need help. People will, help them they'll say okay let's talk let's they will try to save that marriage because they believe in that covenant mm-hmm. um but if you go there and the response is like yeah you really should just break up like, <laughs> like, like i don't think any pastor would ever you know unless the circumstances are really awful they would not just respond like that to a straight couple yeah <laughs> right right yeah that's a, that's a really interesting point because i think i mean there's a, there's those outward messages of, oh, you're a gay couple, therefore these issues are proof that your relationship is sinful. Um, but I, I wonder, like, did you guys have internal messages of that as well? Um, especially for David as growing up in the church. Like, was that something that you had to work through in yourself too, of noticing those voices of, oh, maybe, maybe this is a sinful relationship? Um Oh yeah, that? yeah. How did you? Yeah. Work I, had all, that? I, had, yeah. I had all the issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I had none. <laughs> I did none. <laughs> I took them all. Yeah. <laughs> Selfish. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, who, who am I? You know, against you know, all the decades. I don't know. This is of theology and people and experts and pastors saying no, what you're doing is sinful and wrong. Mm. Um, so of course, like I doubt every, I doubt myself about everything. I doubt myself about, you know, what burrito to get at Taco Bell. So I was, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, I was, you know, full of the doubts. And, um, you know, for me, I read tons of books, you know, I had read all of the repair therapy books. Um, and I actually still, still, I had some in the basement I was looking at today when we were, when we were home. So, um, I still have them, still got them there. Um, and, uh, you know, read uh, more affirming books and articles and 
um, both made a good, really good, what I thought good sound arguments. Hmm. Um, and so I came to a, a place in life where I realized that there was no one argument that was going to decide it for me hmm. because um, no one could prove it. And so I had to make this decision for myself. Mm-hmm. And the really, uh, really the only way to do that was to seek spirit and um, seek the heart of God. And so for me, it was just a small step at a time. When we started dating, it was, well, even before we started dating, it's kind of like a small step toward interest in courtship. And then small step in dating and a small step and a small step. And every time I took one of those steps, I would go back to God and, uh, you know, pray and say, like, please convict me. Please give me a message, Mm. uh, please. And in fact, a big part of me was hoping that God would say, yes, this is sinful. I convict you. Turn away Mm -hmm. because it was so hard and so uncomfortable. And um, it just had far reaching consequences to the relationships in my life Mm. to have to live out and open and openly dating someone. So I was really ready to hear the voice of God saying, no, stop, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And I didn't. Mm. In fact, if I got any message, which I'm not a person who like gets messages from God. Mm -hmm. um, I do. This is one of the few times in my life where I really felt like I got the message of if you are open to stepping through this door, it's open for you. And, um, if you're not, if you, you know, if fear or shame or something else prevents you, um, then don't step through that door, but it's, it's open for you if your heart leads you through it. Mm -hmm. And so I just took little step after little step and, um, really felt spirit leading me that way. Mm -hmm. And as we started dating, the growth I saw in myself and in Tino, and really in the wonderful, productive conversations that started with other Christian friends in our lives, it bore so much fruit that I soon couldn't deny the goodness of it. Mm. It was the proof that I needed that this relationship was God-honoring and God-blessed. It gave me the proof I needed that no text or argument could ever do it was the evidence of the fruit that our relationship created. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about though, like as you guys have kind of walked this road, um, have, have experientially been down the path of marriage and, and are seeing the fruits and the benefits of it in your lives. What would you say gay marriages specifically show us about God? I think uh, the biggest thing is the dismantling of the notion of gender roles Mm. and um, complementarianism. And I think that's been the, I think I would actually say the most interesting part of our blog is that um, we've suddenly have this like, straight audience uh, following us who mm. um especially you know when we 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 write for the gottman institute mm-hmm. which is a, a marriage research institute um 
and and they're not faith-based so those articles aren't they we don't usually talk about our faith there mm -hmm. so they're more just about relationship itself um so especially from there um this we developed this following of you know straight couples who are saying like yeah our marriage like we their marriage has suffered from trying to live by these gender norms that are bullshit mm -hmm. so or just don't work for them or just don't work for them <laughs> You're kinder than i am <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i think that's one thing where i see i think you know same-sex marriage really can teach the church about challenge the church's notion of marriage <clears throat> in a good way mm -hmm. and um of course no one has suffered more because of complementarianism than straight women yeah right and i think that's one place where definitely the church could learn <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. agreed yeah yeah i'm thinking about that complementarianism um mm -hmm. because that's that's something that i i very much grew up within a belief system that that was structured from that point of view uh and and saw a lot of his, his damaging effects. Um, and I know when people look at marriage, that's, that's usually like the first thing that comes to mind, like who's the man, who's the woman. Um, and, and I'd be curious, like how have you, I mean, as you guys have stepped into looking into what does marriage actually mean in our real everyday lives? Uh, has it been a struggle to kind of only have this model of straight marriage in front of us um because in some ways you guys are kind of like pioneers i mean there's been gay couples forever but like gay married couples that's still a very new thing i'm wondering if you could maybe just talk about that more yeah i don't know um part of us does grieve not having more role models to look at even if not from or practical stance of like how to model same-sex marriage just to draw inspiration from that mm -hmm. and now for us i feel really a sense of freedom uh a real sense of um i don't know excitement and excitement in discovery uh, about our marriage in that um that whole idea that we get to customize our marriage however we want mm -hmm. is really refreshing and really um, exciting and fun. And it's like um, so many straight couples get married and get handed almost like a rule book. Okay, here's how you play. Right. And with us, no one handed us a rule book. They just said, go play, figure out the rules yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of awesome. Yeah. I think it's even uh, to me, it's it's improved my relationship with God, and I think it has really forced both of us in some ways to re rely more on God. I think um, one thing that we um, when we were engaged and you know kind of like started you know thinking about marriage, we asked ourselves the question like why, right? Like what's even the point of getting married? Mm. And you know it's not just a it's not something that's necessarily expected of us. Um, like it would be of a lot of straight people, especially within the church. Mm -hmm. You're you know, 
there's all this, all this pressure. Um, so I think we've had to like re-examine all the, the reasons like, and the very nature of marriage. And we ended up having our wedding was a very traditional, you know, well, actually in many ways, non-traditional, um, but in terms of the language that we used during the ceremony, it was very traditional language. Mm. Um, you know, we changed a few things, um, but um, it all came from a careful examination of like, why, what did God intend for marriage? And for me, it just keeps coming back to this notion of a triangle, right? And what I was saying earlier of this like three uh, covenant between three parties, right? Mm -hmm. So, and even examining the liturgy, you know, first, you know, we each stand by ourselves and make a vow to God. Mm -hmm. And then our church community stood up and they said that they would be there. And I see that as, you know, the church as the body of Christ speaking for God and kind of like doing that part of the covenant. And then we made the covenant between ourselves. So I think um, not having that rule book has just forced us to turn to God mm. and see, okay, why, how, you know, why do you, why are we doing this? Yeah. Turn to God and really examine everything we do, the choices we make, um, and not just follow a, a pre-existing pattern. Mm -hmm. It feels like such a, a beautiful and like kind of freeing experience. Like, yeah, that's yeah, just that's just beautiful, um, and it, it feels to me like. I, I think we're we're so often accused of destroying the institution of marriage. And it, it, it sounds like, I mean, in reality, like it's getting back to the roots of what marriage actually is. I, I think, you know, I would say uh, same-sex couples are bringing life back to marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, we're in some ways, I think we're bringing God back to marriage where, because we're, if we're taking this, that especially you know same-sex christian couples yeah if we're taking this step um we chances are we have prayed about it for a long time and we have really you know asked invited god into it um and i'm not saying that straight couples don't do this i mean right. but um but we we have no choice but to invite god into it yeah. And I think we don't take it for granted since we have, you know, only recently been afforded the right to do so. I think we come to it with a lot more intention. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. This has been an absolute pleasure. And um, how can people follow your work? We blog at daveantino.com. That's our main blog. It's called Modern Kinship. And we also blog on Pathios under Modern Kinship. That's pathios.com. And we also do some blogs on the, the Gottman Institute. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook slash Modern Kinship. Modern Kinship. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Best to you. Yeah. Thanks. Be sure to head over to daventino.com to keep up with their work. Uh, also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Modern Kinship. 
facebook.com slash moderninkinship. Same thing, I guess. Queerology is on Twitter at QueerologyPod, or you can tweet me directly at Matthias Roberts. Queerology is produced with support from listeners just like you. Uh, head over to MatthiasRoberts.com support to figure out how you can help support Queerology. Or just leave a review in your podcast app. That really does help a lot. As always, I'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas of who you'd like to hear on the show or just want to say hi, send me a message. I'll get back to you. And until next week, y'all, bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.